Hey, my name is Lizzie Smiley, and I absolutely love helping people connect with their calling and all the tools they need to kick roadblocks and excuses right out the door so they can cultivate the life they dream about. If you want to launch, grow, pivot, or scale your Etsy shop, or you've always wanted to develop the mindset and skills to run your own business, then I'm your girl. I've had that entrepreneurial spirit going strong since my very first lemonade stand, and now I'm a work-at-home mama with multiple online companies and a full-time Etsy shop, all while being present with my kids for the everyday chaos and most important milestones. On this podcast, we'll talk about all things business, mindset, Etsy, creativity, dazzling our customers, and so much more. There's plenty of room at this table for you, so scooch on in and let's go. I'm holding nothing back. Welcome to How to Sell Your Stuff on Etsy. I'm so glad you're here. Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast this week. I am so glad you're here and I am so glad the title (laughs) did not make you second guess clicking on this because this is going to be a great conversation. I hope things are going well in Etsy land for you, that you're feeling inspired, that you've got lots of exciting things going on. And I'm just enjoying continuing to show up for you every week and bring you really insightful topics and inspiration and strategy so that you can get your Etsy shop to where I rightfully believe that you deserve to be. So this is a very different, but at the same time, it's not because it's all about our same topic, right? Of being entrepreneurs, being business owners, and creating an asset, creating something that hopefully will have some legacy for you um, in your Etsy shop that will become hopefully even more than that. I always have a bigger picture for you guys, right? Like I'm always thinking about more than, and and don't get me wrong, I honor your goals wherever they're at. There's nothing wrong with it at all. Um, If this is like, you just want to make a little extra money every month, that's a great place to be. And if it stays like that forever, that is fine. But if you are someone who has like in your deep down in your gut, in your soul, you know that there is more and that this is just a stepping stone for you. And maybe you're not going to be making the same jewelry five years from now. And that's not going to be the legacy thing, but that this is going to be a springboard for you in creating your like entrepreneurship life. So I've been looking for different kinds of guests for us, like unique, different perspectives, all the learning that we can get, right? Because there's so many facets facets of being a business owner. And I really want to be a place where you can get like a lot of that fleshed out and we can have these conversations because I don't know about you, but for me, it really helps to like be talking about the Etsy platform, right? If that's where we're focused, like it's great to hear maybe some legal advice on another platform um, or about another, about maybe a Shopify I can see how that totally relates, but I always know that for me, I I just feel a little more locked in in a conversation when I can directly relate to it. So we have an attorney. I don't know. I don't know how we got this blessed, but we have an attorney joining us today who literally specializes in creative business law. Like, I'm sorry, but like anybody could go draft up, you know, some basic business stuff for you or try to help you fight a, you know, a trademark thing potentially. Like any attorney might say they can do that. But someone like Paige, who we're going to be talking to today, this is what they do day in and day out. And I don't know about you, but like if I need some kind of specialized medical attention, I'm going to go to a doctor who does that exact thing <laughs> day in and day out, a hundred times a day, a million times a year. You know what I mean? Like I want the specialist and law to me is very similar to that. So um, I'm very excited that we get to get to hear this advice from someone who specializes in our niche. So let me tell you a little about Paige Hulse, who is an attorney and she's joining us today. 
After working as a business litigator by day and running a calligraphy side hustle on the weekends, Paige left the corporate world in 2017 to form her own law firm, Paige Hulse Law, serving creative entrepreneurs worldwide. Soon after forming her firm, she founded the Creative Law Shop, melding together her contract law expertise with her firsthand experience as a creative entrepreneur herself. Currently, the Creative Law Shop boasts more than 80 contracts that she has drafted for herself and her clients, assisting creative entrepreneurs to run legally sound businesses worldwide without the expense of an hourly rate. Yes. So today, Paige practices trademark law through her law firm while also running her nonprofit for deployed Green Beret soldiers, the Special Forces Support Fund. She's a long time, or lifelong, yay, this is me too, equestrian. She and her husband are building a premier boarding stable in Tulsa, Oklahoma, soon to be known as Fairway Stables. Oh my goodness, do I need to move to Oklahoma or what? (laughs) So anyway, she is going to be joining us and answering some of our... um, very specific law, law questions that I hear all the time. They're the really simple ones about how to like structure your business. And here's what I love about Paige. Like, first of all, she's a delight. Like she and I are probably going to be friends going forward. Like I'm keeping my fingers crossed that she wants to be my friend because she was so easy to talk to. She was so lovely. Um, and just transparent. Like it was, it was wonderful, but she also, for me, um, law and like taxes and stuff like that are things that uh, as a creative person, I don't, I don't enjoy. And I kind of try to avoid them, you know, like for sure the husband is the one doing the taxes every year. And I just, I, I go la 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 when we talk about these subjects and what I love. it. So if you can relate to that, maybe I know some of you are like probably super good at those details and I probably need to be friends with you too, so that you can bring that element in my life. But Paige broke it down so simply that I felt like I could understand and that I didn't want to run away screaming, which was even more important because like, I'm a smart woman. We're smart women, right? We're smart men. We can understand. The question is, do we even want to try to wrap our brain around it? And she made me not want to run away. So I'm hoping that'll happen for you. Keep in mind, this is going to end up being a two-part series because she's extremely gracious and extremely generous. So down the road, we'll be hearing from her again. Um, So those burning law questions that we have I look forward to that. So for for part one today, please help me welcome the lovely, the brilliant Paige Hulse to the podcast this week. Hey, Paige. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Are you kidding me? This feels like the treat of all treats. How do I get so lucky to have uh, such an accomplished attorney like you on here to help us not all get in huge trouble? You're so sweet. I've been excited (laughs) about this conversation all week. (laughs) Well, I'm sure it varies from your others quite a bit. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit, but that's that's why I like it. It keeps keeps things interesting and it's actually like more enjoyable to talk about. So, but we'll keep that between us. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I, when I found out that um, you were interested in doing podcasts, I literally did a happy dance because that's, that's so cool. Like, first of all, I love the angle that you're coming from with your business and your approach. I think it's like cutting edge. I think it's like, so 2022. Um, but also I'm just like, Oh, this is, um, this is really like nice for us because how often do we get to just, you know, at least get the tip of the iceberg of our, of our legal stuff answered. So I'm, I'm super excited. I'm, I'm very honored. And I would love for us to start out. You're welcome. I would love for us to start out with, you know, your story. Of course, we're all curious. Who are you? Who is, who is attorney Paige Hulse? What is your story? What is your background? How did you end up practicing this kind of law? And anything else you want to tell us about? Absolutely. Well, thank you again for having me. Like I said, really excited to talk uh, talk to you today, and especially just because, and I'll get into it, but it ties in so much with my own background as well. So this is a it's a 
ties in a personal level with me. Um, but I, so just to make a long story short, I graduated law school, immediately started practicing. I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So the context is important because I graduated law school and immediately jumped into the world of oil and gas litigation. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, okay. sharp left turn of where you thought this was going to go. Um, so for a couple of years, I worked as a full-time litigator. I was the, I was the only woman that had been hired in my law firm. And I was one of three women practicing that type of law exclusively in the state at the time, according to a judge that I spoke to anyways. Um, my point being, it was a very, it was a very wow. stressful, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, it was a good challenge. It was like a, it was a healthy challenge, but it was exhausting. It was absolutely exhausting every day to, to, you know, be, be in court, be litigating, just always have to be on your toes type of feeling. Um, and so I, within a couple of months of starting as a litigator, I needed a creative outlet or I needed something to unwind when I came home, like something healthy to unwind when I came home. Right. Yes. And right. I had, I was newly married as well. I got married a couple, like literally a couple weeks before I started working as an attorney. Uh, that was um, brave. Okay. Yeah. My poor husband. <laughs> Whoops. Overachiever. You're an overachiever. <laughs> what really happened is I signed all my wedding contracts without looking at the date that closely. So that was my bad. <laughs> That's what I got for not reading the fine print. But anyways, I digress. Um, so I needed a creative outlet to help just balance out the stress when I would come home from work because it wasn't fair to my husband, my husband of like two months to come home and be, you know, with your head just consumed with the court case. Anyway, so I started, I started uh, calligraphy. I literally just kind of, it was a time of my life where, and I know a lot of us have, have been through this, where it seemed like every single person I knew was getting married at the same time. Yeah. Uh, like bridesmaid every other weekend type of deal. Um, and calligraphy was just something that I had always, I don't, I had dabbled in it before. When I studied for the bar exam, I actually like calligraphed some of my notes that I could, I literally could not remember to save my life. Um, just because it was easier to remember when, you know, when the writing was <laughs> it's wow. prettier. Um, yeah. anyway, so it's just something I'd kind of played with a little bit. Um, and it turned into something that I, I would spend hours a night when I would come home from work, literally hours a night, um, just doing calligraphy for over and over and over just for fun. Some of my friends that got married um, started asking me if I would do like their place cards, things like that, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> one, thing, <laughs> one thing turned into another, and I accidentally started a creative side business. Like literally, truly accidentally started a creative side business. Once I started making some money off of it, I realized I was in the position of like <laughs> – like, wait, what, what legally do, what and when legally do I need to do something about this? Like, what do I have here? Um, so fast forward a couple years and my side business had become something that was making a, I'm, you know, enough money. Um, and it was, it was definitely taking enough time and it yes. introduced me to the literal, it introduced me to the creative world in terms of the other vendors that were working weddings and just the creative community, just, I mean, the amount of people I was connecting with on Instagram and things like that, just a very natural grassroots type of endeavor, I guess you could say. Um, people would find out I was an attorney and they would say, oh, by the way, I, I don't have a contract or by the way, you know, can you take a look at this, et cetera, et cetera. And I uh, realized that there was a massive hole in the 
in the creative world yes in terms of legality i also recognized that every single lawyer i spoke to had no idea what a creative entrepreneur was none what none and that's that is true to this day okay, what year what year is that 2016 2017 uh- Okay, unacceptable. Keep going. Thank I know, you. I know, but it was it was something where um, and and so anyway, I left the firm, my old firm, in 2017. Started my law firm, um, working at the time exclusively with creative entrepreneurs. And when I left that firm, they were very kind to me about it. But when they asked what I was going to be doing next, and I said I was starting a practice to work with creative entrepreneurs, the deer in a headlights look that I got from every single person in the room. <laughs> Was something that I will I will never forget because the next questions were what's a creative entrepreneur, and then what's creative law and just those types of things. Um, anyway, so it's hard for and I I'll get into this more in a little bit, but when an attorney doesn't even know what a creative entrepreneur is, it's very difficult for them to get in the shoes of said creative entrepreneur and be able to write a contract that anticipates all of the different issues that could arise that the contract is designed to protect us from. So for example, when I had my calligraphy business, I had a wedding planner decide it would be a smart idea to drill holes through a seating chart, um, a glass seating chart (laughs) to hang it up. And of course, you know, it being glass, it shattered and fell to the floor and those types of scenarios. Wow. Who's going to be at fault? It's a kind of boots on the ground perspective is what I'm getting at. So anyways, um, yeah. Kind yeah, of circling, of <laughs> yeah, yeah, circling back that the all of 2016, once I really kind of realized that this creative side hustle was something I could actually make money from, and that I I loved running it as a business, like I really that would that caught me off guard. I loved having this little side business. Um, I started selling my own. Um, I started selling things like wrapping paper and prints and things like that on on Etsy. So. Anyways, again, coming full circle, I had I did a lot odds? of my own personal research on Etsy and had How my Etsy store for a while. What are the odds? I know, I know. I think I had it. I think it was live for about two or three years. Um, I had to shut it down once I, anyways, shut it down once I stopped. <laughs> Actually, once I got too busy with law to to uh, uh-huh. sell clues. Yeah, I was waiting for that one. Yeah. I was waiting because I don't know. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah, got got to be a little little much after a little while. But Let's anyways. go for a run or horseback ride after work. Exactly, of- <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know. I need to get away from like staring at just words on a paper all the time. But oh my anyways, gosh! Yeah. Like you couldn't be more perfect for us. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's been it's been a crazy ride, and it's it just I it makes me laugh anytime I get to talk to to anyone like yourself who is doing this, who has had, you know, running a business and has so much experience with platforms like Etsy, because again, coming from my world, I was the odd duck who had to yeah. tell people like, what is Etsy? What is and it? Yes, is- you were the odd duck, you <laughs> yeah. breathtaking, young, creative person. You, I can't believe it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's a, uh, it's, it's, so it's nice to be here to be able to talk to you about it. <laughs> You're with your people. You're exactly. with your people. Exactly. Okay, so this is so cool. I and I didn't know all the facets of that. So I am literally sitting here like a listener geeking out a little bit. That's so good. <laughs> um, so like, okay, so this is this is perfect because you literally walked through this process yourself too. You can so identify with us. One of the main questions that I get from my listeners, from my clients, is like whether or not they need to set up their business 
um, formally, you know, with their local authorities, with, with the government, what do they need to do to start an Etsy shop? And I always tell them, you know, Etsy itself just requires a social security number in the United States. I can't Mm -hmm. speak for anywhere else. Um, and then I'll tell them, you know, your state or county might require something different for tax purposes, but none of that's looking at it from legal, like let's protect us ourselves perspective. Yep. So I'm, I'm a little scared about what you're going to say, but we do need to know, is there a smarter <laughs> way that we should be doing this before and, and at what point? Because, you know, most of us are very intimidated by the formal business stuff, myself included. Like I don't even, my husband deals with taxes. I just give him a like handwritten list of numbers. Yeah. I, I'm so, I'm such the creative brain. So I would love your feedback. And I know my listeners would too, because they're always asking me and I'm like, oh, I'm the last person you want to ask this question. <laughs> it's always good to be humble enough to say, yeah. ask someone else. Um, so no, I, okay. So today, and I was, I was thinking about how I would approach this before our call started. Um, I am going to be as bluntly honest, kind, but, but bluntly honest today as I can, just because I want every single person listening to have the most secure and safe business, creative endeavor, side hustle, hobby, whatever you want to call it. I want you to be able to keep creating your art and enjoy creating your art. And I want this conversation to help set the stage on how to, how to do that, what framework that you need. Um, We only need to think about it once, get it done right the first time, and then get back to creating. That's encouraging. Um, Okay. Yes. (laughs) So that being said, just to be boring, I have to throw in a disclaimer, everything I'm going to talk about is for just general educational purposes. I'm not going to obviously be able to give like specific legal advice. Mm-hmm. So if anybody listening does have any legal questions about anything I've asked about or that I've spoken about today, um, I would refer you to just an attorney in your state um, if they have, if you have any follow-up questions. So with that out of the way. <laughs> yeah, so that's important because yeah. we want to protect you and them for exactly, sure. You know? Exactly. Um, so it, it, kind of to your point as well, it's kind of, it's a joke within my, my own household. I can, I can talk about the law all day long when it comes to numbers, taxes, any of that. I am thrilled to always say I'm not a tax attorney. Ask somebody else. <laughs> so oh, from a tax standpoint, yeah. Ask your accountant, make sure that you're getting everything filed correctly that you need to, et cetera, et cetera. I will say this though, when taxes and law start to intersect, and this is just the, the very basic level of running any any side hustle, any hobby that's making money, whatever you want to call it. Once you start making money, you can go to the IRS website to check the actual dollar amount that they require now. But once you start making, let's say a couple hundred dollars through your creative endeavors, you are legally required to have an EIN number. Your EIN number operates as just to strip the legalese from it. uh, Let's call it the social security number for your business. So If anybody here is listening to this and knows that they're making literally like a hundred or more dollars, I want you to go to irs.gov. This is one of the few times where the IRS website is actually easy to use and it's free. It is. (laughs) Might be the only time. Keywords. Yeah. Um, You can file for your EIN number on your own. It's very, very simple. So that's the only real tax note that I'm going to add. Here's where I, I know I get, I get um, people bulk when I say this, but I really want people listening to take this to heart. If you are making any money with your creative endeavors, I want you to have an LLC. So that's a limited liability company. This is, and this includes if you're selling on Etsy, um, does not matter where you're selling. Although I would actually argue that because you're selling on Etsy, you need it even more than a regular 
business owner, but I'll get, I'll explain that in a bit. Um, But put simply, an LLC, a limited liability company, is the most basic form of arguably the most basic legal entity that you can have. It's very simplistic in the best way. It separates your personal liability and assets from your business liability and assets. So for example, if you were to um, if, if you were to be sued, which we never want to talk about that, but mm-hmm. something were to happen, even if the person was wrong, um, sued you anyways, you don't want any of your personal liability or assets to be on the line. So you don't want to lose a lawsuit and a judge tell you that you can that you have to sell your, your house and your car to pay off a, a judgment. We want, we want your business to be the only thing on the line. Same okay. thing from a personal side. And I've seen this happen. Um, and I've seen this happen, unfortunately, a few times. But of course, we never, when we hear about lawsuits or anything on, in our personal lives, we think, well, I'm not going to go commit a crime. I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> I'm not that type of person. Well, uh, think about every time you get in your car, the, the, chance that you could be in a car accident. And what if it's your fault? What if you rear in somebody? The insurance company's job is to protect their client and to go after you and see what they can get get from you. Um, in that instance, you don't want any of your business's liability or assets to be on the line. You, you want to, again, only your personal assets to be what you're fighting about in that, that instance. So I use that example and I won't be as morose the rest of this conversation, I promise. No, that's so good and so simplified. So I'm loving it. Yes. Yeah. So just again, for purposes of just driving the point home, we want everything that we do on a business level and a personal level to be very separate, never interfere with one another. It's not fair to your creative endeavors. It's not fair to your family. So separate them. I had never thought about, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I never thought about, like, if I got in a car accident, I could get sued and, like, all of my business equipment could be, (laughs) I could lose it. Like, that just never occurred to me that it could go that direction. I could, obviously, I could go real in-depth and I'm going to just save everybody from that. I can have articles on both of my websites about this. I can, I can uh, give you the link to later on. But what, what any good lawyer will do if they are, like, I've had to do it on both the I've had to do it on both sides of a lawsuit several times. Any good lawyer, when we start a law, uh, when we sue somebody, our job is literally to act in the best interest of our client, which means get as much money for our client as we can. No, like full stop. So that means if I'm suing somebody, I'm immediately looking to see if I can sue them on a personal and a business level. I'm trying to do what's called pierce the corporate veil, which means if they do have a business, prove that they're not running it like a business. And then all of those business assets are on the line for me to get for my client as well. So today's podcast is brought to you by the Perfecting Pinterest e-course by Sophia Lee. Okay, so I'm particularly excited about today's sponsor because if you use this resource correctly, you could completely blow up your Etsy shop with sales. No joke. If there was ever a game changer for Etsy success, it is Pinterest and learning how to master it. Before I tell you more, you need to know I have quite literally spent over a thousand dollars on Pinterest courses over the years, several thousand on blogging courses, and I learned a ton. Most of them were valuable. I don't have a whole bunch of regrets. But earlier this year, I was introduced to the blogger Sophia Lee, who started her blog in college and has killed the game. Four years later now, she's earning 70,000 plus per month, per month from her blog. 
I was intrigued. <laughs> so I bought her blogging e-course and her Pinterest, Pinterest e-course because A, I was curious about her strategy since her blog is so lucrative. And B, I could not believe how reasonable the price was. Like, wow, compared to what I have spent before, it was an absolute steal. I also have a blog in addition to my Etsy shop. And so I learned early on that Pinterest is the most powerful way to get readers to your blog. And it's one of the best free ways to drive traffic to your Etsy shop. So the reason I'm partnered with Sophia Lee today is because I went through her Pinterest course and it was outstanding. I'm not kidding. Outstanding. It was packed with so much value. I would recommend it to my best friend. I already recommended it to my mom who took it and loved it. And I have zero reservations recommending it to you either. So if you have not tried promoting your Etsy listings on Pinterest, which is some of the best free traffic you can get, or you still need to learn how to build strategy for Pinterest, I cannot recommend perfecting Pinterest enough. Sophia Lee built her Pinterest course to teach bloggers how to promote their posts. But what you'll learn directly applies to your Etsy listings too. In all the places where she is linking a blog post, you'll do the same with your Etsy listings. I feel confident you'll get a ton of value out of it. You can grab my link down in the show notes and check out the course info today. It's immediately available to you. And I am so excited to see what a difference it makes. That leads into what does it take to start an LLC? What does it take to run an LLC? This entity, and the reason why I talk about it so emphatically, is it provides so much protection, so much safety, again, just from your separating out your your personal and and professional liability. Um, And it's at the same time, so simple to set up and to keep operating. So there are four steps that you need for an LLC. Number one, you have to go to the Secretary of State website in your state and file what's called the Articles of Organization. It's like a 10-minute questionnaire. They're literally going to ask you like the name of the business, the address of the business, and a couple other questions. Um, So that's step number one. Sounds really formal, and it's not at all. The actual act of doing it takes, again, maybe 10 minutes. Step two is getting your EIN number, which we've already mentioned. Step three is you need to get an operating agreement. This is the contract that governs your LLC. Um, the operating agreements that I wrote for my own businesses or what I sell in my shop, I've just redacted my own name from them. And I can get into that more later on as well. Step four is you need to open up a separate business bank account for your, your LLC for your business. Um, the reason why I have that listed as number four is because your bank will ask for a copy of your operating agreement. So you need to get the operating agreement in place first. Got it. So the question, and please stop me at any point in time. <laughs> I don't want to. No one's ever said this so simply before. I don't want to stop you. This is, a, <laughs> this is so rich, like, and so, but so sim- simplified. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So the, the question that I, I, I look ridiculous. <laughs> I look at deer in headlights, but like in the best way. <laughs> no, it's, well, it's one of those. And that's why I wanted to start with this also kind of just going back to a point that you made earlier. It's, it sounds intimidating. It feels intimidating. It's something that we want to even, again, throwing myself under the bus when I started the calligraphy stuff, I didn't want to think about an LLC. It was one of those things where I was like, I'll write it on my to-do list to figure out on Saturday. And then it kept getting kicked to the next Saturday type of deal. But it's so simple. It's just one of those things that we build up in our brain to be much more complex than it is. And expensive is the exactly. other thing. I- exactly. Okay, so it's really so, not, right? 
No, everything that I've talked about, so you can hire an attorney to do all of this, or you can hire an accountant to do any of this as well. It's one of the, the areas where attorneys and accountants can overlap. I'm also completely comfortable with saying to people that if you want to do it yourself, you can do like you're capable of doing this yourself as okay. well. The one caveat I would throw in, a strong caveat, is when it comes to the operating agreement, this, like I said, that's the contract that governs the LLC. And so I highly recommend that you have an attorney draft one, or like I said, this is why we have resources like the creative law shop, my template shop, um, where I'm an attorney, I have drafted it for myself, I've redacted my name, and that is what is in there. I see one of the biggest mistakes I see people make is take free documents that they find online. Um, And that's not just because I have like an arrogance about only an attorney should draft contracts. It's I've seen a client, I can tell you so many horror stories, but the worst one I can think of is I have seen a client miss out on a $50,000 tax break because they had, they had pulled like a two page operating agreement from the, from the internet and it didn't have the language it needed in order to, Oh my gosh. I can't get into details, but literally it came down to the operating agreement. Uh, I've seen people lose lawsuits because of that. Just do not, whatever you do, do not get a free one from the internet. Um, I digress. Going back to what I was going to say, the the most common question, follow-up question I get when it comes to LLCs is when should I start one? This is something in states like I'm located in Oklahoma. It costs $100 to file an LLC in Oklahoma. Um, okay. I know you're down in Texas. I believe it's 300 or 350 in Texas to file one. So I should move to Oklahoma. Yes. Yeah, so everyone should move to Oklahoma. <laughs> um, but I, I like to use that as a benchmark. So for example, once I realized that my, once I re- realized that my calligraphy business had made, once I realized that my hobby, I should say at the time was making a couple hundred bucks, it was like, well, I, I've already passed, like I've already proven that the business is going to bring in at least as much money as it takes to get this liability and protection in place. Um, so I use that as a benchmark. So if, if you know, for example, that you can make $300 in the state of Texas, File an LLC. Okay. Do it right away. It better to do it beforehand because if we want to put a dollar sign to it, use that as a benchmark. Um, the one thing, unfortunately, and every California resident knows this, things are just more expensive over there. So I believe it's nine hundred. It's eight fifty or nine hundred in California. That's the one state where I'm when I'm talking to. To potential clients or clients of mine, I'm willing to say, okay, you can wait a couple months, make sure the business is truly viable, then go ahead and file. Probably New York the same. New York would be, I would think, the other really expensive place. Actually, it's Illinois. What? Uh huh. It's Chicago. Well, it's not Chicago. It's it's probably because of Chicago. That's what I've always thought. Come on, Illinois. Let's get it together. I know. So I think, yeah. So, anyways, that's that's your fun fact for the day. I mean, (laughs) yeah, important to do so early. And again, I, it doesn't feel I've had, I've had, so I've had people say I'm a creative. I don't, I don't have to respond to the man literally like that's a direct quote. I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> and it's like, oh, well, that's fine. That's fine. But when you're in court or like if when push comes to shove and you need some protection, that's not a tune that you can sing for very long. <laughs> so right. Yeah. Again, that line isn't going to work. <laughs> exactly. It's not really the most ironclad defense. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> so everything that when it comes to this LLC conversation, everything that I've talked about, maybe from start to finish, will take an hour tops, maybe. Okay. And I'm not including like the driving time to your bank to open the <laughs> bank account. Other than that, it should take, again, filing for it takes 10 minutes. Getting the EIN takes five to 10 minutes. Getting an operating agreement template and just filling it out, I'll just say takes a half an hour, probably less. But all in all, this is a very, very short, it does not take a long time. This is not an, a big investment of your time. Okay. Okay. I feel better about it. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like the LLC advocate over here. <laughs> I, well, I, and you've sold, you've sold me. And I'll tell you guys, I have run my business since 2015, making hundreds of thousands of dollars just as a sole proprietor um, in Texas and just feeling like I just have this little, and I know it's not little, it became not little quickly. <laughs> But yeah. I'm sitting here like, wow, I'm glad I had the grace of God on me because yeah. <laughs> this could have been ugly. And we have so much equipment and, you know, so exactly. much to it. But I was going more on, you know, I hadn't talked to a lawyer. I hadn't had to. I, uh, so I thought. So just to be vulnerable with you guys, like yeah. I have done that. Now, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, yeah. Thank you. you know, for my husband asked that. several times. He's like, we really need to like do this as an LLC. I'm like, oh, it's fine. So don't follow my lead guys <laughs> at all on this. Listen to Paige. That's why she's here. <laughs> to piggyback off of that too, even though I said that I wasn't going to talk about taxes. No, it's good. Um, that is a question that you need to ask your accountant as well, because once you start making a certain amount of money and tax laws are all, literally always changing. So I can't give you a benchmark. Um, but once you start making a couple thousand we'll say a couple tens of thousands of dollars, you can <laughs> save, <laughs> you can save money by being taxed as an S corporation. So oh, okay. the government looking at you as a business rather than as a sole proprietor from a tax perspective, um, you file, it's a very simple form that your accountant can file for you, but you will save a lot of money by being taxed as an S corporation. And that's, that okay. is just a tax. The vernacular gets confusing, but an LLC just files a, literally elects to be taxed as a corporation. It's okay. uh, not a separate type of entity. I will have my husband listen to this later. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Okay, but yeah, that's why the vernacular gets very, very, very confusing around that. But The majority of people listening here, though, like LLC will be a great place for them to start. You know, yes. they're they're just getting started. Most of them are not making hundreds of thousands of dollars yet. Yeah. Um, I'm, I want to get them there. So this is great to have in our back pocket. Yeah. Okay. So I know that we have to wrap this up here pretty soon, but I do want to ask one other thing if we can touch on it. Yeah. What do you think Etsy sellers need to know about the terms and conditions? It's another thing that we just like click accept. I'm sure it's fine. Everyone else is doing it. So dumb. We obviously like, we don't have time to go line by line page, but are there some really important pieces that you think we need to be aware of? In general, so here's the deal. You're not in a position where you can negotiate with, with Etsy around right. the terms and conditions. So it's just right. important to know what's included, obviously. Um, what's really important when it comes to anyone selling anything on Etsy is you need to really be aware of their intellectual property provisions and really aware of how they handle, um, trying to simplify this, how they handle any intellectual property disputes that arise on the platform. Yeah, um, we talk about that a lot. So that's a yeah. familiar topic for the audience, but it's like, you know, when someone's saying that's my design or someone's, or, you know, you're using a pop culture thing, you mm -hmm. know, copyright, trademark, infringement, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, that's one thing I've, and I've had one of the most, again, some of the most obscure cases that come my way, but I had somebody, and what I mentioned earlier, that if you're selling on Etsy, I would argue that you need an LLC more than anybody. This is one of the cases I was referencing. Somebody I, I, worked with, um, 
and I, I'll talk about copyrights later on, but she got hit with enough copyright infringements that were all fraudulent, but she got hit with enough that Etsy shut down her shop or like suspended her shop for a while. And she still had outstanding products that she, or uh, sales that she needed to, to yeah, send to, sales. yeah, mm-hmm. orders, thank you, <laughs> that she needed to send to her customers. Etsy had shut down the shop. She was not able to actually reach the customers. And then she, the customers got angry and were threatening lawsuits once the website or once the uh, shop reopened again. Um, she tried to notify Etsy about it, tried to get them during the time that she was suspended, tried to get them to intervene on some level so that she didn't keep getting you know, threats of bad Google reviews and threats of, of lawsuits. And Etsy was just completely non-responsive. So mm-hmm. they don't have any responsibility to have your back and they don't have any responsibility. They pretty much flat out say this. They don't have any responsibility to get back to you within a certain amount of time frame or even to get back to you at all. Um, so that's just, that's something to keep in mind. Um, anytime somebody has a shop on Etsy, I recommend obviously get the LLC in place because you're selling on a platform that is out. I mean, it's capitalism. They're out to make their money. They're not there to help protect you. Even, even if it is an artist friendly or an art friendly platform to sell on. Um, I would also make sure that you have a backup in place in case something does happen in terms of, of an account being shut down or suspended or something like that. Hmm. Have um, It's important to have, it's important to just, yeah, to have that, that backup in place. So I'm not really answering your question that, that pointedly because I don't want to get too far into the weeds with no, intellectual but, property. No, but you did. I mean, you said the most important stuff, which is, you know, you guys need to remember this is your business. Etsy is just providing a platform. It's not your business. It's just a platform. I, as you guys know, I'm still a huge advocate. I think it's a tool that can help people go way further than, you know, if they have no marketing skills, they can't start their own website, but you need to make sure that you have responsibility for your orders off of Etsy as well. Yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> they're not going to try to protect you or notice just a, and Paige's story or the customer either. They're not really, they're just providing a, a tool. That is exactly right. Yeah. I would, I would view it. Here's where I think people look at it the wrong way and it can, it can land you in hot water. View it as a marketing tool. It is, it is a vehicle yes. for marketing. It is not where it is not your business. Yes. <laughs> it is. Oh that is, there's a big difference between the two. So, and once you start looking at it that way, then you're able to, then you can stand up for yourself and, you know, run your business like a business and be more protected and et cetera, et cetera. But just look at it that in the same way that Instagram's not your business. Exactly. Etsy is the same. This is exactly, this is the mindset stuff that I love to talk about. Okay. So, um, Paige, I would like to go another four hours and I know we cannot, <laughs> but I just want you to know that the desire is here. So we have to do this again, but before we, um, before we close out, can you please tell us about your services? You know, how there, there are, you, there are mental and emotional doors you've opened today. <laughs> Some of them, <laughs> you can actually hold our hand. And I know a lot of us have built trust with you just in this conversation. So mm-hmm. what do you have available that the listeners can, can use, um, where you could help us? Yeah, so I have my law firm, which is Page Holst Law. I got real creative with with naming that one. Uh, <laughs> it's available at pageholst.com. I primarily practice trademark law at, through my law firm. So about yes. 90% of what I do day in and day out is intellectual property and trademarks specifically. Um, I also have a second business, which is called the Creative Law Shop. I think I, I mentioned this earlier. This was a byproduct of my law firm. I started it about two or three months after the firm got started because I started getting an influx of 
requests from people around the country, around the world, asking for creative contracts. I had them all on my desktop because I had written them for myself and my the people I was hiring, um, et cetera. And so wow. I redacted all of our names and I added in, added them to the Creative Law Shop, which now has, I think, like 85 to 90 templates. Um, wow. So every template that I have on there, I've, I've written and it has been, when I say peer-reviewed by an industry professional, I mean, I've written it for a client specifically. I never write something just for the shop. Um, and then I also will send it to get a second opinion from from whoever that may be as well. So for example, yes. my photography contract is one I wrote for my own photographer that I hired for my own brand shoot and had somebody who shoots um, shoots for a, a national publication review it as well to make sure that she didn't have anything that she would want to add to it. So anyways, that's, um, that is available at shopcreativelaw.com. Okay, we will have all of that linked and then for you guys below. And then also, if you decide to shop from there, um, the firm has very generously given me a coupon code for you guys. It's going to be SMILEY10. Um, and that'll be down. You don't have to remember if you're driving. It'll be down in the show notes right there. Easy for you to grab. You can find all of this. Um, and then, Paige, is there anywhere else that's great for our listeners to, like, <laughs> are you on social media? Like, can we be besties on Instagram or something? <laughs> How do we connect with you? And if not, if there's not a way, that's okay, too, yeah. but I had to add. No, no, of course. Uh, so <laughs> I am on Instagram as Paige.Hulse. That's H-U-L-S-E. And you'll see that, so I, I, I've only mentioned two businesses. I actually have, I have four right now. I have okay, right. firm, hey, <laughs> the shop. I have a, a nonprofit for special forces um, soldiers oh. called the Special Forces Support Fund. And I also have a new startup called Fairway Stables. I'm an equestrian and have, that's a whole other, obviously a whole other conversation. Point being, when you come to my Instagram, you'll see a little bit of law. See, see a little bit, probably a lot of a lot of bit of horses, and um, anyway, so it's kind of a hodgepodge. But that's that's where you can find me. That's where you can connect with me the easiest. And then the shop has we have our own specific Instagram for the shop, which is the Creative Law Shop, and that okay. is where I roll out every single bit of contract knowledge that I I can ethically and legally share with the world. Yes, amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Can we do this again? We I need would to love do this to. Again. Absolutely. Okay, love you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Paige. This has been um, educational, not too scary, <laughs> and a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. All, all of the points I wanted to hit. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, guys, I'll see you next week. And that's a wrap on this episode of How to Sell Your Stuff on Etsy. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. If you're looking for more resources, head on over to howtosellyourstuff.com where you'll find podcast show notes, all the links from today's episode, the blog, courses, coaching, and more. If this episode was helpful to you, awesome. The greatest compliment I can receive from you is a rate, review, and subscribe on this podcast. Not only will it allow us to connect again on a future episode, it lets me know I'm providing you with value and helps other people find this content more easily. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for your support. Have a great day and see you next time.